Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of Stephen and Aidan's podcast, Soul Brew. Yes, welcome. What are we brewing today, Stephen? Today we have a root and branch coffee from Casa Cafe in Dunfani. Yes, and I think we're drinking the Brazil mm-hmm. single origin that they have. Yeah, Typical I, Brazil, very nutty, very chocolatey. I had an oat flat white is what I had, which was I delicious. Had a normal is flat it? white, not a normal. I don't like when people say normal now mm. because it makes your milk actually seem unnormal. Which is so I right. normally say, would you like whole milk? You normally uh, say yeah, that. That's what you? I say. I don't like say, I don't like normalizing milk anymore. Good. This is kind of strange. And I had a double espresso as well. Mm, it was delicious. Thanks, Tara so, and Anderson. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we're clean wired <laughs> before we Fulton. even start. Uh, we're recording this episode straight after our intro. Uh, which took us about two hours to record <laughs> 10 minutes because we literally couldn't figure out how to use the technology. So we're hoping now that this one goes well. Yeah. The name of this podcast is Having a Ball. So between me and Stephen, we have three balls. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that we have three balls is that I've lost one of mine. <laughs> Little shit's always running away. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to find it here. Right, I'll pause. <laughs> The reason that I have one ball is I was diagnosed with testicular cancer back in 2017, which meant I had to get that particular testicle removed from surgery. Um, And a year and a half later, my cancer returned, which meant I had to go through chemotherapy. Uh, I had about 63 days of very intense chemotherapy. What we want to talk about, I think, on this particular episode, <clears throat> well, you, we're going to use my cancer as a catalyst, but it's not going to be about me. It's going to be about probably coping mechanisms that we think we've developed ourselves. Uh, in particular, I'm going to just use uh, my cancer as a... I say a sticking point, almost like a... Yeah, or a platform to... Maybe when I was put to the test, basically. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, so, well, my coping mechanisms may be similar in, in some aspects, but I haven't gone through anything near uh, as intense as what you have. Now, some of the but it's not about, you know... No, yeah. I know, but I mean, uh, you have a, a sort of more of an... You've gone through tougher things than I have, I think. It's all relevant, though, isn't it? It is relevant, yeah. I suppose that's, that's sort kind of, of... You're belittling yourself there because mm. you've obviously had hard... Like, that's really more is about, like, it could be... For you, whoever's listening, could be about like how you deal with a breakup or how you deal with someone dying in your family. Or mm. it's not about who's gone through the most. It's about you know how you got through it. I think. Yeah. Um. So I'm just using cancer as my examples. I think because that's yeah. when I felt that I was really that my back was against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um. You don't have to tell anyone what when your back was against the wall, but you know maybe. If you want to think back to a breakup or if you want to think back to when you lost someone or something mm-hmm. and what you did to get through that. Yeah, I, I can think of some stuff. And to be honest, I think it's something that you nearly have to work on every day. Some mornings you just wake up thinking, oh, it's just <laughs> you're not feeling yourself, yeah. you know, and your coping mechanisms can be used throughout any day. And life events do happen that... I think personally, I think it's the work you've done prior to that prior to, to yourself, that. for yourself. I actually think Brezzy talks about even getting out of bed some days is 
resilience mm. you know just actually getting up and getting out is more than enough that mm. for you know depending on how bad your day is or, or you know whatever's going on so <clears throat> we'll talk a little bit about that um and then we'll put it back to the listener and see yeah so i think in you've covered your story a lot and people will refer back to the air and am even there at the weekend when you stole the show um <laughs> absolutely ripping it up on virgin media there and uh i think you've told your story a lot but i want to sort of maybe pick at aiden's brains a little bit deeper and maybe some of the stuff that you haven't covered that you're comfortable speaking about or maybe some stuff that you want to bring to the fore that you haven't had a chance to say because i know you've probably talked about it a lot but maybe you want to delve in a little bit deeper if you're comfortable with that yeah i think i'm definitely happy to go there firstly i will just quickly go over <clears throat> the stuff that i've already gone over which is just self-checking for men checking your testicles um i'm not obviously a doctor <laughs> but there is actually a doctor on uh who was on ireland am with me yesterday so you'll get that on virgin media television on their player <clears throat> and he shows you exactly how men should self-check and what to look out for uh for me in particular my testicle on my right side started to get bigger and harder and changed in shape um very quickly very aggressively over a couple of weeks uh so i was traveling at the time um i contacted my gp before i got home because i just wanted to make sure that it was okay and it wasn't okay um and within weeks i was in surgery for testicular cancer so <clears throat> really the message there is if you feel like something isn't right or you get a pain or whatever it doesn't have to be anything to do with your balls at all just go and get it checked out because i think your gp is far happier to put your mind at ease rather than miss a diagnosis of something i think that's something a lot of people might relate to that well, I can't speak for a lot of people, but I can only speak for myself. But I think even since yourself being diagnosed when you're 24, like, and I'm what two years older than you, so I'm, I would have thought, you know, when you are fit, like you owned and ran a gym and you're very fit and healthy and stuff, and I would consider myself fit and healthy playing football and yeah. stuff. And it's kind of like you have to take a step back and think, Jesus. Yeah, I was that's... actually in great shape, right? You know, and still got cancer. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah especially if there's young people listening to this you know you're not it really made me think like i'm not invincible or anything like that there mm, and you can get a bit carried away when you're <clears throat> yeah fit and healthy thinking that nah not happening and it's really i think it hit home with me also the fact that literally you're from the house next door and yeah. good friends and my little brother at the time and stuff like and so it's like you know i think a lot of people around the area even people i spoke to really sort of not related to it because we don't know what you went through and we can't even imagine but it's like a, a real hit home factor and just but more awareness about your health yeah. and getting yourself checked out so yeah that's all i want to cover on on that part really yeah so i'm gonna ask sort of just raw enough questions because and then feel free to tangent on and just talk about how you feel because i know the the guy that presenter in ireland am did ask you how you felt at the time you got diagnosed but what were the coping mechanisms that you think you that helped you when you got diagnosed and throughout the whole journey um <clears throat> the first diagnosis was probably the easier one i think the second diagnosis was the hardest so the way it worked for me was got diagnosed with testicular cancer and got surgery and got removal 
of the tumor uh after i had removed all the tumor my bloods actually went back down to normal again but there was some lymph nodes in the back of my stomach which is where testicular cancer goes to generally goes to next that were uh showing up on the scan but there was still no cancer in my blood as such so i didn't get any chemotherapy but what they did say is that they were expecting it to come back um and within the first year i had a 50 50 chance <clears throat> of it coming back and every year after that was the chance of it coming back were lower so that first year you can imagine knowing you have a 50 50 chance of getting cancer well as like you say you imagine but i actually can't it's i can't imagine okay yeah to well, be honest like that's why i want to sort of delve deeper because i want i think it'd be quite valuable for you just just to speak more in depth because i can't imagine and i have no idea how tough it must have been and i know it must have been but i guess i, I just sort of like <laughs> yeah i've been of, told you know that I mean? you might you have a fifth, fifth chance of being sick within a year is probably a hard thing i guess for people to get their head around and obviously it was a hard thing for me um and at that time i the first diagnosis just made me stop and take scope of my life and i had been running a business at that stage for a couple of years and um, I'd always kind of threatened to sell it and move out forward and do all that. And so when I got that, after I got that first surgery, I was like, yeah, this is it. Sell up, get away. Move to the continent. Move to the continent. I lived in the continent, you know. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I never, I never heard you say that before. But I knew that maybe my cancer journey wasn't going to be over. Um, and in that year, I was getting frequently tested. I was flying home for tests and stuff. Um fitness was a huge role played a huge role in, in terms of coping mechanisms so like i knew that if i was going to get chemo that i was my body was going to get battered you know so training was a big priority for me eating was a big priority for me um mental health was a big priority for me you know i've just put all them things that i thought i was going to need to rely on what do you mean by mental health there in terms of uh, maybe mental health isn't the right terminology but working on my speaking about my emotions who I would have been mainly with my partner at the time okay. but my fears you know if it does come back what will we do what would i do um so almost like you're planning I, for the worst oh, i was i was yeah i was definitely training like my motivation to train was like you know when this comes back i'm going to be ready for it that sort of way and mm -hmm. um, it definitely lit a fire under my ass but even even still, I guess it might be something similar to like maybe you have a relative who's in ill health and you know they're not going to make it. You're still shocked mm -hmm. when they die or, you know, when they pass on. And I had come home for a routine scan, um, but I, I had sort of sort of known something wasn't right because I had a scan in, in Vienna before I came home. And by the time I came back from x-ray to the consultant's room, he had the scan up on his computer which you never normally get to see you never get to see it that quick <clears throat> and it was off my chest and you could just see this little smudge in the bottom of my chest and he's like i don't like the look of that and that that was how i was re-diagnosed the second time just by him. as soon as he seen it i also seen it and you knew and he's like you need to decide if you're going to stay here or go to vienna <clears throat> and get your treatment and this was like on a Friday and the Monday was a bank holiday, I think. So I had four days to think about this, but like I had to act quick because, you know, obviously the cancer was growing at this stage. So I had a rough weekend of thinking, where am I going to go? 
what am I going to do? My partner was in Vienna. My family were here. Vienna is obviously German speaking. Here's English speaking. <clears throat> um, but that was some shock, you know. Like, I literally seen it on the screen. I could see the cancer in my chest on the screen. How like how did it feel? And like how did you how did you react in terms of like was that like getting an absolute smack in the face like what or how was the initial feeling my stomach just dropped you know and i went out and i obviously like it was such a shock mm -hmm. and i went out to the car <clears throat> and I, I think i just started crying it's like fuck it's back mm. um and I, even though you had prepared and even you though you had yeah it's like shit um and then from there it was like a lot of testing very quick a lot of testing a lot of bloods um they had to one of the lumps actually was kind of in between my two lungs and they went down my throat with a needle and took cells out of it and stuff like that there to double check that it was testicular cancer again mm. and i think i had about i'd say from that from seeing it on screen to actually being in i think i had about two weeks and i started chemotherapy so it was like an absolute roller coaster. Um, but one of the one of the things that kind of wanted to talk about in this was in my second cycle uh, at the time the influenza was in the hospital, and when you're on chemo, obviously chemo kills every cell, not just the bad cells. Mm -hmm. So my white blood cells had dropped to below what was safe for me. I think they were like super low. Um, and because of the influenza, <clears throat> nobody was allowed in or out to the hospital, you know, so I had no visitors for the second week and I was up near the reception area, which meant I had Wi-Fi and stuff. So I was like on my laptop or out for the first couple of days, but someone came in who needed more urgent care than me. So I was pushed down to the back of the wire, not pushed down to the back of the wire, but I was moved. Yeah. And then that room, the Wi-Fi was shocking. <clears throat> and because nobody was allowed in to see me i started to fall asleep throughout the day and at night time then i was awake i was kind of starting to turn day into night and night into day and the way chemo affected me was by wednesday i couldn't look at a laptop screen i couldn't concentrate on reading a book or i couldn't look at my phone and nobody was allowed in to talk to me so you just had your... complete isolation i would say the only person i seen was the nurse who came in to change the chemo bag or come in you know to check that that i was all right but i was on my own i would say for 23 hours of the day wow. and i wasn't sleeping at night um and i was just in total darkness i think for that week it, it was probably the hardest week of my life i would say because i also had to deal with the effects of chemo which makes you feel like shit anyway mm -hmm. um so it was both physical and huge. It was mental. a huge mental week, um, and kind of what I wanted, to, what I want to say is like, I was also okay with it, you know, I was okay sitting in the dark. So when I woke up at, or when I couldn't sleep at night time and I couldn't watch TV and couldn't watch my laptop, I was literally sitting on the chair staring into to darkness for hours, because every time I picked up my phone, my head got too sore, and I had to leave it down again. So all I could do was sit and stare because I couldn't sleep. And I thought it was in a mental institution, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> what what were you like what were you thinking? What was nothing. I don't think I was thinking anything. I was just staring. I was like like a zombie, just staring. But but quite happily staring. 
there's nothing else I could have done. Mm-hmm. I was doing what I was meant to do. Almost like an acceptance. Just like literally, I think that's a good surrendering, maybe mm-hmm. or acceptance. Um, and during the day it was not much better because you know you've got them lights that you know when you're in a dentist and i was staring at four walls and that i was like am i in a mental institution or we're dressed <laughs> on I... a straight jacket or anything yeah. up, right <laughs> wearing a gown and like they would because inf- because my white blood cells were so low they wouldn't allow me out to walk or anything so i couldn't get outside and get fresh air nothing nothing um and yeah, it was a it was a very dark week but i think the message that came from that week was that it was okay it was okay to have a dark week do you think having worked on your coping mechanisms prior to that led you into a position where you're able to to sit with yourself or like probably a lot of people or possibly a lot of people now are living alone and through lockdowns and stuff have had to spend a lot of time by themselves and maybe some people have been able to do no problem some people maybe not Mm -hmm. do you feel that there was anything that was able to help you with that or do you think it was just i was not prepared for that week for sure like you don't you don't try and build your resilience up no one thinking that you're going to be alone in a dark room for a week mm-hmm. um so no i don't think like there's nothing i could say oh if you do this it'll help i just maybe accepting and surrendering to mm-hmm. the to the darkness nearly is you know <clears throat> rather than trying to fight your way out of it if i had tried to f- if I had tried to get out of that that week, I would have made myself ten times worse. You, you know, if I if I made myself feel guilty for feeling bad or being like, Aiden, you got to get yourself out of here, get yourself back up on you know where you normally are," I actually think I would have felt ten times worse. Mm. You know, I just was like, "You're having a shit week. You're getting chemotherapy. You can't talk to anyone. You can't see anyone. You just just accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't try to get away from it because the more you try to get away from it." the worst it would have been for me and i don't know now like i can't uh, if i ask you the question back when you're having a bad day or you're having a bad week do you try and get away from it or do you sit and stir in it or do you go to someone with it or what's your initial reactions um i suppose looking back on different points in my life sometimes sometimes it can be quite small and maybe just going for a run might just click things back into place. I mean, I think it's something that I work on all the time is physical and mental health are just intertwined so much. And sometimes that can work, but sometimes I can wake up or go through a tough period where it doesn't matter what anyone say. Like a recent time, last year at one stage, it's just going... I was back in college and lockdowns and different things happening and I felt I don't know I felt like I was stuck nearly and maybe some people relate to this maybe they don't but I remember chatting to Sam who'd be one of my really good mates and he you know he was sort of reassuring me you know are oh, you're still you know you're a great person and you know you are this and you're that in a positive sense and I actually said to him I think one stage I was like I know I am a great person. <laughs> We're to going me. to do that ego episode soon. <laughs> but but I couldn't help but feel terrible. But uh, what I'm trying to, I think, ask you is, was your initial reaction to get out of that place as quick as possible? It was initially. Okay. And 
I think the more I was like, trying to get out, the me. worse you got. Yeah. yeah, it was. And then, you know, he, he was sort of trying to, you know, speak me up, whatever. And I was like, I know this, but it doesn't help. And then I was kind of, and then I was like, right, hold on a minute. And I, I was still, you know, doing my home workouts and going for runs. And I was like, I'm just doing all the stuff that you normally do to help. And but it still wasn't, wasn't helping. Yeah. 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 And then, well, at that time, so it was twice in my life where I got a short bit of counseling. Mm-hmm. That was one on. And just having that external person. Yeah. Having that professional that was able to well, say the right things and able to help me through it. Mm-hmm. And luckily, being a student, it was available in fairly short notice. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was. I still had to wait a month. So probably that month was for me during during the last year or so was probably the worst month in terms yeah. of lockdown and different stuff that was happening and and then eventually just chatting to the counsellor she was able to help and it made a yeah. massive so I would encourage anyone that if your normal things aren't working just ask for help yeah. don't be afraid to anyway. I got counselling both times actually both diagnoses it was absolutely fantastic I mean yeah actually yeah. it was like the silver lining, I think, nearly the first time around, because I got so much out of it. Really? Um, but I remember listening to the radio, must be a couple of months back now, um, and I first tear my hair was like toxic positivity. Mm. And I remember when I was kind of, I was humming and hawing about um, talking so much about testicular cancer. And I was talking to our other friend, Stephen, and I was like, you know, should I talk about this? Should I not talk about this? Like, there's a lot more people in worse situations than I it was you know a lot you know and that's kind of like that's a very airy thing to belittle your problems um and again it's like usher you'll be grand or you know you're at least you've got a roof over your head or you know and if you're going through that tough time and someone says that to you it doesn't help at all in fact it makes you worse you don't want to hear that and Stephen was like he, he was like he says there is people in worse situations than you Aiden, but like you have a lot to tell and a lot to give mm. and you shouldn't you know and he was right so i'm very glad um yeah i think that be well i do it to myself sometimes and i know other people do where you belittle your own problems and it's like yeah oh i shouldn't be feeling like this and feeling you nearly feel guilty for feeling bad yeah and that's that's kind of like that going back to that week like you know I just knew I wasn't going to feel good that week, mm. you know, and I didn't try and get there because I think yeah, that's what I'm saying when I'm asking you, like, what was your, your, sometimes your initial reaction is I need to get out of this place as quick as possible. But I don't think that's always mm. the right answer. Sometimes you might just need to sit in that place and explore it a little bit and, and root around and see what's going on mm. before you try to get away from it or before you try and go to somebody else with it. You know, instead of trying to plow on, instead of almost. trying to plow on or trying to bury it or belittle it or be like, sure, so and so down the roads got this, you know, yeah. so I shouldn't be feeling like the way I am. Like that's, I don't think that's a good way to, yeah. and and I think that's why I got through that week so well, in a in a bad way, mm-hmm. worst week of my life probably, but yeah. got through it so well. And you probably because learned. I yeah because of that yeah because of not saying well the guy in the room next to me is he's terminally ill. Yeah, you know, I didn't think like that. You just focused I just on focused yourself. Focused on myself, and that was it. 
and focused on not trying to get out of the darkness. Yeah, and I think coping mechanisms like that is, is focusing on yourself and not in a selfish way. It's just... Oh, I was definitely being selfish. Well, but I, like <clears throat> out there telling people that I was going to be selfish, you know, it's like, I can't text you today or, you know, my phone's off. Don't message me. Um, but that, to me, that's not selfish. That's you needed that. Yeah. And people well, understood that as well. Mm, I suppose. I suppose one thing maybe in your instance, people might understand it a bit more. You're like, oh, he's going through chemo. Whereas maybe there's people now that are going through a similar mindset where they mm-hmm. are struggling, but they don't have that sort of, you know, not an excuse. Like you didn't have an excuse for feeling that way, but like yeah. you're going through like a huge, huge sort of chemo treatment that almost ex- not excuses. It sounds like it's trivializing it, but you know, people can understand how you felt like that. But yeah, other people are probably feeling like that. I know I was feeling that way. And and like I had nothing really there was nothing specific mm-hmm. for me it was just life just life just, yeah I was getting a little bit overwhelmed do you think now if you were to go through something similar now again that you would approach it differently don't know because the months prior to that I was great and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it just you weren't of, so great yeah it just came out of nowhere kind of and it it was i think it was just but what you've learned from your coping how you've coped yeah like i think <clears throat> i definitely think you know if something was to happen to me again or you know if i was to have a bad week or whatever i think my acceptance my tolerance of accepting it is much higher than it would have been previously okay. you know i don't feel bad for having a bad day now mm-hmm. you know or and i don't trivialize it or i don't try and get out of it like i've nearly quite happy to stew in it mm-hmm. and figure out why i'm having it rather than trying to get away from it yes so i kind of asking that question to you do you think because of that experience that the way you handle things now are differently ha- you handle them differently or yeah i think simultaneously i was also trying to build other habits around mm-hmm. at that time and so, you know what was going through my head there? I felt like saying, oh, I wasn't in that bad a place. Which is just... Which is what we're just after talking <laughs> I about. I feel like yeah. saying that to myself, just making little of my own experience. Yeah. And Which you shouldn't Which I shouldn't do. do. Yeah, that's very suggestive of me. But yeah, yeah that's well, what we're trying to talk about. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say is like, it doesn't really matter what other people are going through at times. You really need to focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of focusing on myself and luckily i had have a great support group like i think um around where we're from mm-hmm. we're lucky to have a lot of people that are outdoor mind minded as well so yeah. surfing at the time was thankfully we were able to surf because it was within our 5k and when you're out surfing other people happen to be there so you're able to have conversations and the water for me is a huge thing mm-hmm. that maybe a few years ago I wouldn't have had. Wouldn't appreciate it at all. I wouldn't have appreciated. Yeah, yeah. I think when I when I was going through chemo, I didn't have the capacity to build other habits to get me through. You know, yes. resilience. I just had to rely on what I had, them tools that I had. But now that I'm through it, very much similar to yourself. Now is like working on them habits of not great. I'm not great at meditating, but you know, them habits that I'm building as and trying to get up at the same time, mm-hmm. trying to get into the water 
trying to exercise, read books, have good conversations, mm-hmm. these sort of vulnerable, open conversations where you like <clears throat> when you have a conversation like this could take you a week or two weeks to actually reflect on what you learned from it you know or, or how it actually it might not be an instant build mm. that sort of way and same with the water or whatever it is that you do like or with especially with fitness you don't get fit in a week no. you know it's a long it's process a long ass process so but in that time that i was in the darkness like i wasn't building habits and i was just getting through it mm. but now i'm back to building my habits again if it ever should happen again that i have a toolbox of things yes. there that i can fall back on you know yeah and i think some of the stuff you did touch on there we'll probably end up doing episodes on them specifically mm. like building habits and like the sea and how you know we actually can delve deeper excuse yeah, me on there sure. deeper into the sea <laughs> <laughs> uh, on oh, God, that, that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> on that stuff like but i think i suppose the, the message of this one is just more about sometimes the coping mechanisms aren't built up and yeah. we do need that external help whether it is yeah, for sure a helpline a counselor a friend whatever <clears throat> i think we will try to put this back on to whoever's listening to this now and i'm going to ask a question to them and maybe you can think of a question that you want to ask them but what i really want to know about you the listener is if you wake up and you're having a bad day or you're having a bad week what is your go-to action do you try to get away from it as quick as possible do you sit in it and explore it do you journal do you go to a friend do you not speak at all that would be i'd love to know what other people do when darkness is there because it, it always is you'll never escape it i think yeah, I think I that's think what I want to ask people. You will never escape it. It comes out of nowhere yeah. sometimes. So I think I, what you were. Any life darkness tips, life pro tips? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, everyone's different as well. So I'd say it would get a huge amount of different responses yeah. and it could and be obscure or it could be. Yeah. Is it exercise? Is it like whatever it is? Music, dance? Mm-hmm. Have you a question that you want to ask anyone? <laughs> <laughs> Putting it on me there. Um, <coughs> not really i suppose before we wrap up like in terms of the journey of your cancer and treatment and stuff was there any point i know that was the worst week you had i want to maybe focus on the week or the weeks after that how did you come out of it i know you spoke about being in it but how did you actually come out of it or what was the sort of preceding weeks um that particular week my partner my ex-partner was coming over from vienna to see me and she was there on the friday night when i was to get out on the saturday i was floored after that week physically and because my whole sleep was out of routine um so it was a matter of taking care of what we could have taken care of first which was sleep and eat so try to get my sleep routine back and try and eat good food because I couldn't eat. The chemo just made my tongue taste like cardboard the whole time. And exercise, get out for a couple of walks and stuff. So, you know, probably trying to reset my circadian rhythm was probably mm. the first thing 
tangible thing that I had control over again. Um, yeah, and that's probably actually, do you know what? See, when I am out of routine and out of helter skelter, that's probably the first things I start to control again is my food intake, my training, my sleep. And like, you know, then the, and then build the other things around that. Because once you have, once your circadian rhythm is in place, you're in much better flow with yourself. So that, that and that, I would have learned that a lot with training clients, people on night duty, you know, um, people who are up all night and sleep all day, try and reset that clock first, I think. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that I, how I got back out of it. It's interesting because yeah. my, literally my thesis for my, uh, masters is the association between diet and lifestyle behaviors yeah. and <clears throat> everything's so intertwined that your diet could slightly go off or your sleep could slightly change and your whole your whole diet and lifestyle starts so you could literally change your sleep and suddenly you start eating uh, a couple of cu- hundred calories more a day yeah yeah you, you crave sugar or less foods. depending on how yeah especially yeah and and then you start exercising less because you have no energy and mm-hmm. then suddenly you're more stressed and it's all just so interlinked that yeah. it's, it's interesting that that's what you control what i could control yeah and yeah which is and probably, build myself back up that way again and that's probably an absolute like control the controllables control the controllables yeah that's probably what i did now actually i haven't been asked that question so i've had a bit of a revelation here that's how i got out of it i think that's how i got through that week no that's not how i got through the week that's how I recovered from that week mm. was to start to control them things that I knew I was good at because I, that week that I was in, there was nothing I could do. Mm. I could, well, apart from this, I messed up my own sleep by falling asleep during the day, but like I was getting pumped full of drugs and there was no mm. one there to keep me awake and I felt shit. So I went to sleep and messed myself up. So I lost a little bit of control there, but when I got back out again, that's like the first thing that I started to address, sleep, eat exercise yeah i think that's how i got out of it yeah I think or, so. or not out of it I, I said recovered from it through it yeah and, and got myself ready for the third cycle and actually my third cycle was christmas week and got through it like a breeze really no problem well all, really. not no a breeze compared to the second one anyway so do you think the second one actually because it was so dark it almost helped you for future ones or for the third one because my first one was so good um because people could come in so all my friends come in every evening and we stayed like having the crack to maybe 11 o'clock at night in the wt room or whatever (laughs) and i was in good sleep recite good sleep cycle Mm -hmm. got got enough sleep got up got my breakfast got my fluids into me and then started my chemo but like the second cycle people couldn't get in and then i wasn't getting a full night's sleep so i wasn't recovering from the previous day's Mm -hmm. chemo and then trying then to take the next day's chemo and you feeling like shit already from no sleep and the previous day Mm. that soon accumulated and it accumulated hard like Mm. um and then on the third cycle i knew i had to stay awake during the day and sleep at night so actually they gave me sleeping tablets on the third cycle to make sure that I was getting rest at night. Like I'm not big on taking things like that, but it was far better than what I went through the second time. Like the second cycle absolutely floored me. So taking the sleeping tablet and getting enough rest to actually 
get up and take the chemo that they were going to give you that day was huge yeah you know <clears throat> yeah i guess what i take from from that is just take your medicine <laughs> well yeah sometimes yeah. you do have yeah. to take your medicine and even the the fact that social interaction had such a huge <laughs> huge yeah and friends and family yeah. Yeah. no one could get uh, no one just the, i even knew a couple of staff in the hospital they weren't allowed into the ward it was like a no-go zone mm-hmm. um because because my bloods were so low so yeah social interaction again another revelation no, which is probably a lot of people are going through something like that yeah, these especially, days yeah exactly and from what i take from what you're saying and this is my reading of what you're saying not but <laughs> what you meant but i suppose the fact that controlling the controllables seemed to help seemed to get i couldn't control them that week I no no i mean yeah, i, meant I couldn't have friends and or, yeah afterwards yeah yeah <clears throat> but yeah and that the week you, that you couldn't control them things it just yeah. it went it fell apart for me yeah, yeah. So well not fell apart but yeah yeah um but i'm um, like we are sociable guys the two of us like you know so it definitely is well up my value list which again will be another podcast episode <laughs> socials yeah i suppose we do fond of chatting with people probably <laughs> yeah um well I, I don't want to dwell on that too much because you talked a lot there and i got a lot from it and hope those that listened to it as well but do you have any final words on your journey and your coping mechanisms and how you got through it that's a very hard broad i probably think about this now for the next two weeks and have a, can i come back to you on episode four <laughs> um i mean you don't have to it's just whatever pops into your head like even just a i did do a video on this and i'm trying to think back my resilience which we'd we'd basically talked about mm-hmm. all this and, and what built that and you touched there now again on friends and family like i'm a huge reliance on like i have a lot of good people around me uh the kind of people you can push away and pull back if you need to mm. depending on how you're feeling um yeah i just i guess i had my systems in place you know i had my ducks aligned mm-hmm. fair enough i suppose that's kind of wraps it up nearly yeah no more than what I think most people do yeah if, yeah if shit hits a fan that you're somewhat ready for it because more than likely it's going to shit like shit's going to hit the fan at some point in your life and if it does for you seek that help from others from professionals or, from... or however you need it i guess yeah <clears throat> and then... like that week a professional would have been no good to me that week i don't think you know but afterwards probably yes mm-hmm. as in pulling it apart and stuff but like that week I, like i just didn't have it in me you just have to accept yeah so brilliant you know well that wasn't that entertaining maybe for us. maybe that was very <laughs> deep it was and deep I, but i think it's important because i know you've talked about that sort of journey a lot and i i think you wanted to kind of put it to bed. I kind of wanted to put it to bed and move on from it. I think I think I've given all that I can possibly give, or all that I've possibly learned, maybe, um, from that part of my life. And naturally enough, because it, it has been a, a huge part of your life yeah. throughout episodes, will probably revert to it or you'll yeah, take examples. Yeah, but from I don't it. think I want to delve into it much more. Like I've been on TV, I've been on national radio and newspapers and 
like I've done I think I've done as much awareness as I can yeah you're just so, a yeah. star I'm not a star and now this <laughs> as well um sure didn't your so, man tell you you're looking in great shape <laughs> I got a national compliment yesterday <laughs> he was speaking for Ireland so he was <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah the phone turned on landscape so I looked even wider <laughs> like broad shoulders on you if you don't mind me saying oh god well look, um, I think that's a fairly good way to wrap it up there yeah. is just I mean my message from that is sometimes you have to accept what it is and accept what it is yeah let let yourself figure it out and you don't have to figure it out straight away and let be let be and I mean yeah and work on your coping mechanisms and and for me personally you don't always have to get out of there as quick as possible mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and don't feel guilty for trying for under you know being there um yeah sit and stew with it sometimes maybe before you go so before you go externally see uh-huh. if you can figure it out uh-huh. you know um and then if you do go externally you know have conversations because once you can put a name on a problem i think the problem is much smaller or you know it's much more if something's bothering you and you don't know what it is and then you talk to someone and you soon figure out what the problem is it just it just shr- not that it shrinks it but it gives you something then that you can work with a problem shared is a problem has. yeah but figuring out what the problem is the first time could be nearly the biggest thing and you might need to sit with yourself for a while to mm-hmm. figure that out and mm-hmm. if you don't then maybe you could chat it out with someone yeah yeah any final words no don't think so but i know i did ask a question to the listeners about 10 15 minutes ago <laughs> yeah when i thought we were going to wrap it up um but that question still stands if anyone you know if this has sparked anything in you reach listening out. yeah definitely reach out i want to hear um we are going to probably have some sort of social media set up between the two of us but at the moment we don't so i'm on instagram at 802 you're on Instagram as Stephen Doak. Yeah, I don't know, Stephen Doak. So until we get some sort of Instagram set up or whatever, and you want to reach out to us, you can find us there um, mm-hmm. and let us know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. For yeah. Me. Thank you for listening to episode one. We promise it won't always be this dark. <laughs> and <laughs> Start off dark. And then maybe it should be another way around. Yeah. Start off light. <clears throat> so, I think it was uh, a good way to show how... Um, I suppose they just that they get that journey yeah. spoken about. Yeah. I think it's important. So I th- and the beginning and of the end. Yes. And that's like and subscribe. Is that like it? and subscribe? That's that's <laughs> our episode on having a ball. That's why I have one testicle, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I technically have the most famous testicle in Ireland at the moment. I would say. Jesus. Well, that's it, a like big statement. It is a big statement. <laughs> and I actually don't have it. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> It was on TV yesterday. I mean, well, not the actual. No. It wasn't on TV. Just, <laughs> that was aired in PM. That was the, the late night <laughs> show. late night show. <laughs> Only fans. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Yeah. Um, we'll chat to you on episode two. Yeah, we will. Peace and love. Peace and love.